I don't really know how to describe today's guest. And biblical apologetics will argue with me, I'm sure. But I believe that Katie Pizzuto and I knew each other before our souls took bodies. I have known this incredible woman for one month, and it feels like she has been in my life since the beginning of time. She is what I call a supernatural archaeologist. She studies the ancient word of God to bring it into supernatural thrillers. It's massively moving. And in this episode, she gives us our testimony of how she really met Jesus. She talks about an eating disorder, and we walk through some pain. We talk about deliverance, and then we move right in to the incredible supernatural following of God. Welcome to Women of Armor, the podcast. We are walking in Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God, ready to bring some good news and 100% on your team. So here's how I met Katie. I just was kind of on my own supernatural scavenger hunt for the meaning of a word in the Bible. And it's crazy, but I got on Instagram and here's what happened next. Out some information that God had given me and put on my heart about the true meaning of, of a woman um, in Genesis and how that came to be and what the word help meet really meant in, in Genesis or how God created a woman and why he did that. And what I found out was it was this very powerful Hebrew root as their connecto. So I wanted to go even deeper with it. I got on Instagram and hashtagged it and a number of people came up, but Katie caught my eye. She had hashtagged a post So I sent her a message and we just really connected and her breadth of knowledge on this topic was huge for me. So that was our connection. Um, I then asked her if she would be on the podcast because I knew that she had a story and I just felt it. And so when we talked and I heard about it, the Holy Spirit really pressed on me that this was something women needed to hear and girls needed to hear. So Katie, thank you so much for being on today. And the first thing I'm going to ask you, I ask all my guests, where are you talking to us from? My office. (laughs) Sorry. Absolutely no, that's not what you're asking me. Um, I'm in Canada and I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Wow. That sounds beautiful. It's freaking stunning. We have an ocean. We can actually see the Bedford Basin from our apartment, which is this beautiful offshoot of the Atlantic Ocean and forests everywhere, lots of hiking. So we we came from Alberta uh, several months ago, I think actually seven months ago, eight months ago now, moved to Halifax from Alberta and it's been a humongous change when it comes to landscape. So, and people. I shouldn't say that, but it's a great place to live. I love it here. Well, I accept your invitation to visit. Thank you. Um, Absolutely. You need to come and visit. How beautiful. It sounds incredible. And um, let me just tell our listeners that Katie is a writer. She's a published author. And that is no small feat. So I um, imagine that is a beautiful place to be able to write from and incredibly inspiring. 
Could you share, before we really get into your testimony of Jesus, a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so (laughs) my life's been a little bit weird when it comes to career. I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Went to the University of Lethbridge and for English and education, decided I really didn't like being in the classroom. And so I sort of slid into city work and copywriting and started a freelance business and all that kind of thing. And I've kind of been tapering off on the freelance business and have been diving into my master's in theology right now. And haven't been doing a ton of actual work, which is great. I mean, different kind of work, right? But uh, I've been working on my second novel while I'm working on my master's. So that that is, (laughs) you know, it's so interesting um, because I think when we have that kind of knowing inside of us of what we want to do, but it looks unconventional, it can feel like, you know, what, what's really going on here? Am I making the right decision? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from your perspective, as some of the conversations we've had, that has been kind of a battle for you as far as, you know, am I, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And then you listen to that knowing inside of yourself, yeah. which is the Lord. Can you talk a little bit about what that sounds like to you? It sounds like, that's such a good question. (laughs) It sounds like me knowing when my brain and my body and my soul are completely and totally dry and drained and I am working from a place of gas fumes and not a place of, of depth. I'm... I'm a fairly deep thinker and it's been something that I've never really embraced fully because I haven't had the time or energy to do so having, well, when I work, I throw myself into my work and I try to do the best possible job that I can, which is a little bit of unhealth for me in the past. It has been, but it's also my personality when I want to to do things, I want to do them well. So, yeah, I think, sorry, my chair is possessed. So I think it was (laughs) after years of feeling that burnout and knowing that something was not right, finally listening to God and making the connection and saying, oh, it is, it's my work that is burning me out. And I feel guilty all the time because I don't feel like I'm doing enough. So what I need to do is I need to actually give that up and step away. So that, that came over months of conversations with the Lord and it's kind of morphed and it's taken me a very long time to finally realize that I'm supposed to be in a creative space and I can actually let myself rest a little bit and I can, you know, read, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world to do. So took a while. Let's stop right there. I want to make something very clear about Katie. She's incredibly humble, and I'm just going to tell you exactly how I see her. When she says she takes time now just to read, what she really means is she is a supernatural archaeologist. Now, this is a title I have given her because 
Her entire life's work at this time in her life is dedicated to uncovering the supernatural wisdom and the supernatural secrets of the word of God. So when she says she's reading, what she's actually saying is, I'm studying the Greek, I'm studying the Hebrew of the original word of God. I'm letting the Lord download on me what all of this means. And I'm placing it together in a way that enriches the lives of women and the lives of people. Okay, now that I've made that clarification for her, I think we should get back to running on supernatural fuel instead of the gas fumes of the world. I just kind of love that. That really spoke to me. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that leads me to my next question, which is actually the nucleus of our whole our whole interview. Um, you are 29 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30 as of the 27th of January. So, okay, so you are 30 years old last weekend. I missed Woo! I totally missed your birthday. This is hysterical. <laughs> That's fine. It's okay. Okay. Um, I want to say I almost missed it too, but I didn't. I've been looking forward to 30 for a very long time. It was really awesome. It that was I, yeah. Uh I was supposed to be in Israel. And that didn't happen because of COVID and just life circumstances. So I was pretty bummed about that. And having moved from Alberta and not really knowing anybody here and thinking this is my 30th, you know, it was, it's supposed to be special. Man, God's done some really cool, quiet stuff. And a lot of, a lot of, um, he's kind of directed me to focus on my health a lot more and not concerning myself with surrounding myself with a bunch of people who, you know, are acquaintances, but instead going deep with people I really love and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's honestly been the best birthday I've ever had. So, well, yeah, listen, your thirties are so awesome. We've talked about that for anyone listening. If you're not 30 yet, or if you're in your thirties, I don't know where you are. (laughs) And I think our thirties are so powerful because they're very transformational. I think we can look at lots of people biblically, even who have had transformations in their thirties, including Jesus. Um, so that is kind of, for me as your friend, exciting to see what's about to happen. Cause I bet it's going to be an incredible ride. Um, this knowing that you have this, you know, I think the world would call it intuition and I'm not saying that's not what it is, but we really know our intuition is the spirit of the living God speaking directly to us. And it's like spirit to spirit, right? Um, that came from somewhere. So I would love for you to share your journey of faith, your journey with Jesus and really what brought you, you know, kind of to your most broken place to really meet him and what changed for you in that way. So good. So my family, my mom specifically has always been someone who has prayed fervently for me. When I was young, she prayed for me. Now she still does, of course. But I remember, I remember when I was a little, I remember little bits and pieces. When I was five years old, I decided it was time for me to give my life to God. And I have a feeling that that sort of intuition growing within me, even at that age, came from prayer. And 
something that my mom wanted for me was a relationship with God. So she kind of kindled the fire, as it were. And I accepted Jesus and Holy Spirit when I was five. And it's kind of interesting because there were some experiences in my childhood that you couldn't really explain. They were supernatural sort of things. I, this was actually before I was five. I think I was two or something like that. My dad and I were out in the garage and there was this ladder hanging over me and it started falling down and my mom could see that it was falling and she knew that if it would hit me, I would be toast. So she screams at the top of her lungs and bolts from the shed and she's just expecting to get in there and see me laying on the ground, but she doesn't because someone moved me and it wasn't my dad. (laughs) My dad was just as surprised to see that I had been, you know, he didn't know what was happening. So someone moved me and it wasn't, it wasn't me. So things like, like that have happened in my life, even as a, as a young person that I've known that the spirit has been watching over me. I know that God has, has been hovering over my life and it's really beautiful. It's hard to explain. I, I think that also might have to do with some of my, my roots. My family was very, very, um, they love the Lord way back. And anyway, that's a big story. That's a long story that I don't need to share here. <laughs> but I, I, I felt that. I felt that presence with me uh, anywhere I would go when I was younger. And as a, as a teen, it started to kind of morph a little bit and it became more creative. It became more, I would see really interesting things and I wouldn't call them visions. They were just kind of creative endeavors like creative I'd go I'd go creative places in my mind and I would I'd write them I'd draw them and and when I was 15 about 15 years old that creativity sort of started to slaw off because I was being emotionally bullied by some girls in my grade it was a really rough time the early 2000s hard for a lot of people because body image was a big deal. Victoria's Secret was a huge thing at that time and everybody wanted to be rail thin and I'm not built to be rail thin, but the girls in my class were. So I was bullied a lot for that. I had uh, two of my best friends phone me up once when I was at home just hanging out and they, they said, hey, we think you're fat and then they just <laughs> left it there. So stuff like that really battered my soul and my heart. And my dad left around that time. My mom got really sick with multiple sclerosis or Navix. We're not sure which one. So I started losing that creativity and questioning where God was in in some ways, in some subconscious ways, I think. And I couldn't really feel God as much. I decided I was going to take things into my own hands and start starving myself. So I ended up with anorexia and bulimia from age 16 to 18. It was really bad. I was in the hospital when I was 17. And when I was in the hospital, I had a pretty crazy 
it was, it was, it was a quiet, crazy <laughs> encounter with God. He likes to encounter me in a quiet, crazy way. Cause I relate to that. And he, I was sitting on my bed and I was just thinking to myself, God, I, my hospital bed. And I was thinking to myself, God, I can't get out of this on my own, this way of thinking, this disordered eating. I can't, I can't escape it. And you either let me die or you heal me. And I left it at that because I was so broken and so hopeless and nobody could help. So from that point on, something shifted and it was like that creative energy just sort of fueled back and the spirit started warming the cold areas in my life and my heart and started leading me in, in different ways. And yeah, the word was integral to that. So Psalm 139, um, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made talks about how we were knit together in the womb and, and God saw us when that was happening and, and God planned it. So that verse got me through a lot of really, really dark days of looking in the mirror and thinking, holy cow, I'm not what I want to be. I'm not beautiful. I'm not valuable. And God just kept whispering in that really gentle way. Actually, I made you and I made you perfectly. And it wasn't a mistake the way that I formed your body. So it's society <laughs> that's telling you something different. It's not me. And so 18, uh, I got out of the hospital. And at 18, I still struggled with it. But it wasn't as prominent in my life anymore. And then 19, <laughs> 19 I went to, when I was 19, I went to uh, Hawaii for three months. And then Africa for three months with YWAM and really encountered God there. That was insane. Had moments with him that were so visceral. And uh, I could get into that, but I don't want to take forever. So now uh, my relationship with God is very, well, he's kind of brought me out of a religiosity because I really clung to this relationship with God in a way where it was like if, if I don't spend time with him every single morning, if I'm not, you know, uh, diligent about it, I'm going to fall back into my old habits. And I'd say just in the past couple of years, God's really broken that off of me. And he's reminded me that it's, you know, he, he's never, ever going to leave. He was there when I was a kid and I didn't have any kind of conversation with him. And there was no religious element at all. It was more just he was a protector and it's still like that. Uh, but now I have this depth of relationship with God because I've spent so many hours with God and know him so much better. So it's this beautiful mix of the two of this trust that, that God's not going to let me go and I can't do anything to keep him away from me. And, uh, but at the same time realizing that the relationship between the two of us does need to be fostered. So that's, that's what I'm doing with my master's is I'm giving it a little bit more of a logical approach as opposed to the emotional approach that I've used for, for many years in my relationship with God. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that. That's the really, really long story. <laughs> Excellent. And, it, and the way you tell it, it's, it's like you, it's, you know that it's real because 
you're able to talk about it with a timeline and <clears throat> some emotion in your voice that shows kind of that transition. There's a few things you hit on and I, I want to circle back to those if we can, because they're very powerful. I think there are women listening who have daughters who need to hear it too. Um, so in full disclosure, I struggled with eating disorders. I mean, I would, I would say since I was a child, but I remember sitting at daycare when I was four years old and they were bringing around lunch. And I thought, no, I can't have that. And it was like shame behind it. Oh, wow. I might have been five years old. Maybe, maybe. Um, and this was, you know, a memory that stuck with me. Mm. So I have had those issues for my whole life. I've been almost entirely delivered, I would say, as I've learned to experience the love of God in such an intimate way. When we don't know who we are, and we're projected upon of what we're to be, it starts to take parts of our spirit from us. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. That is just, there's no way around it. There was an expectation placed on me as a young girl on what I was to be and what that looked like. And it took every bit of to 40 to fight that off. And so we're not alone in this. I mean, this is a big deal. It's something that I think a lot of grown women hide. A lot of adolescents and younger girls, even now, because of the pressures of social media, are um, experiencing, and it's got to be dealt with. I believe the answer to everything. Something I want to interject quickly before we move into um, furthering the interview with Katie and discussing the eating disorder. I believe the answer to everything is Jesus. I believe that Jesus came to deliver us from all of the schemes of anything that isn't Christ-like. I believe that deliverance comes in many forms, and I believe that God gives us people for a reason to be able to help heal. So this perspective is, is mine. It is my belief, and I hope that as you listen further, you'll be able to get an additional perspective for yourself or whoever in your life might be dealing with this. Um, and so... It's, and it's something that I think, uh, you know, we pass on these ideas of what we're supposed to be, and we don't do it intentionally as mothers. Um, I'm, maybe there are mothers that do, but mm -hmm. we, we really don't. It's, it's more like we're just trying to help our daughters be their best. And if we haven't dealt with, that, with it ourselves, it, of course, projects through. Yes. So I want to say something to mothers who are listening, who are dealing with um, a, a daughter or a son who's dealing with an eating disorder, regardless of the age. The very best thing that you can do within your control is to consistently remind them of how much they are loved and just who they are. Because even if even if their person, even if their soul of them doesn't receive it, their spirit hears it. Mm -hmm. So whatever healing path God's going to take them on, whether it is therapy and counseling, or it's going to be a Holy Spirit encounter, or it's just going to be a revelation of, I don't want to do this anymore one day, whatever it is, um, we believe, Katie and I are in agreement, that mm -hmm. if your family is struggling with this, you can have complete deliverance in this and complete healing. 
Um, because that is the highest will of the father mm-hmm. is the fullness of Christ. And yeah. we believe that. So I just kind of wanted to, I feel like there's someone listening who needed to hear that. And I wanted to say that you can just be in agreement with us right now that whether it's your struggle or the struggle of one of your children, you can be completely freed from that. And you just take it to God and on how to handle it. Keep doing that. I'm sure that you are. I feel it in my spirit that someone is listening who's doing that. And God knows Mm -hmm. literally going to be okay. That deliverance is going to come and it's going to be a testimony. Um, And there's hope and it is hard and it is brutal. And I also want to just mention that eating disorders are not you know, they're not always a control issue. A lot of times it really is just this God-sized hole and it could be filled with anything, but it's filled with lack of, lack of, of self-image that is, you know, made in the image of God. And I think we should probably talk more about this at some point. Maybe we'll do a follow-up, but there's somebody listening who needed to hear that. And I just want you to know, Katie and I feel your struggle. We've been Mm -hmm. there. It's brutal. It's kind of terrifying, but there is, there absolutely is healing in that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There is. And there's so much power. There's so much strength that comes from that connection with Christ when we're broken and when we're, when we're empty and we don't know how to fix it. Um, you know, the power of Christ is made strong in our weaknesses. It's just so true. (laughs) Right. And there is a verse in the Bible, there's many of them, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And this is all truly about surrendering what we can't do and letting God do what he can. It's the paradox of Jesus. And um, I think that's really probably how I got free too, you know, is um, being having those encounters. And I asked for them. I, I invited them in. Yeah, that's um, that's how the Lord works. Uh, I was reading about something similar to what we're talking about in this. I think it was a McClendon book of Pinnock. It was a he's a scholar named Pinnock, and he hits on that so beautifully. I wish I had the quotes memorized from the book because they were so beautiful. I actually might be able to pull one of them up here real quick. Um, so. Uh, love woos. Love woos. It does not compel. Conversion is not coerced. That's Pinnock. And then God empowers, but does not overpower. Grace works mightily, but does not override. God is a loving parent, not a tyrant. Uh, and this part here, this made me ugly cry. It is so powerful and so related to what we're talking to. Uh, quote, we are not in a position to give God much that he needs, but there's one thing he wants from us that no one else can give him. And if we do not give it, he will not receive it. I refer to our personal love, end quote. Staggering. (laughs) So I was bawling when I read that. I was like, oh my gosh, it's just so incredibly humbling to think that the God of the universe has that level of humility to him. And this, this is a God who is this mystical, overwhelming presence that made the ancients tremble. And yet he's saying that I want your personal love. 
personally from you, only you can give me this particular love. Like I was just, oh, I was such a mess. Just like, whoa, like, isn't that powerful? (laughs) Katie, I, yes, I (laughs) speechless at that, which (laughs) anyone who knows me knows that doesn't happen real often, but (laughs) I I've been going through another, a whole other deliverance myself in the last couple of days. So I'm, I think I'm out of tears for a good 24 hours. <laughs> no. But um, I, I am blown away by that because it is when you really surrender yourself and say, okay, can you do this for me? Can you just take this and do this? And you know that the God of the universe who decides when we breathe next and feeds the sparrows and decides how the lilies move, um, says yes without hesitation and doesn't remember your past and doesn't remember the things you've done wrong, but sees your struggles and doesn't forget your hurt so that he can redeem it. That's what that speaks to me. Like, yeah, very humbling. It's incredibly overwhelming. And at the same time, it's, Oh, it's so liberating. It's I know. <laughs> well, okay, so that kind of leads into my next question. Um, and this may be sensitive for you, so feel free to only touch on it if you want to, but I feel compelled to ask you about a spirit of abandonment. Mm-hmm. And if you have experienced that, you touched on your dad leaving. Mm-hmm. And you touched on that happening when your mother became so ill. So, yeah. and you were 12 or 13. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Transformational age. Right. So um, obviously God already knew all that was going to happen mm-hmm. and he was in it with you, but what was that like for you and how has that impacted you? Wow. Um, it was kind of like shock. It, it was emotional shock at first. You, I just couldn't compute what was happening. I, it was like my life fell apart in the span of a year. And I, yeah, kind of went into a mode where didn't really feel anything. was kind of just living life and taking the blows as they came sort of a thing. So, um, yeah, I, I still don't know how... I got through that without absolutely crumbling and not doing well in school and, you know, but I think a lot of it I internalized and I almost just, I started sort of punishing myself because that was the one thing I could do. So punishing myself emotionally, you know, you're not good enough. Uh, You need to work harder. And I was already like that before my dad left and my mom became ill, I, you know, (laughs) it's kind of, it's funny, but sad. I I was taking piano and I made it through my first level of adjudication with flying colors. I did very well. They said it was the highest score they'd seen in Canada. And I was terrified by that because it meant that the next time I went in for adjudication, my score had to be higher. And uh, 
So it's like, I, I don't know, I stopped myself from doing a lot of scary things because I knew that I'd fail at them. And I knew that if I'd fail, then I had, um, I guess, the abandonment was even more real. It became more raw. And I would start telling myself things like, you know, because you weren't able to do this, they left, you know. Because you're not smart enough, people don't want to be around you. Because you're not pretty enough, people don't want to be around you. So that's the narrative that I sort of, it morphed out of that shock and started informing my whole life. And I really, really wish someone had caught that when I was younger. But a lot of adults were really oblivious. And I had terrible years at school because of it. Nobody knew how to deal with the the weird, quiet kid who was just trying to be perfect all the time. Nobody asked any questions. I wasn't getting in their way. So, and I, I don't mean to sound vitriolic about that, but I know we all go through our issues and stuff. But still, it's it does blow my mind because I went to two Christian schools and yeah, nobody really noticed. So. It was very painful, and I, I started fending for myself when, when I lived with my grandparents. My grandparents are absolutely lovely people. They're beautiful people. They're incredibly hardworking. They're highly moral people, and they're so loving to everybody. However, they came from a generation that doesn't really connect emotionally and the depth that I needed wasn't there. I was living with them when my mom became ill and ended up in a care home. And I, so yeah, I kind of just had to fend for myself and learned in my teens that nobody else was going to do anything to help me. Nobody else could. So it was me, myself and I, (laughs) and Honestly, I still have that. I still have a lot of that in me. I'm very careful about who I commit myself to. Um, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm selective. And I think there's health in that, but also a little bit of non-health in that. I think it's C.S. Lewis who says that to be loved, you need to be vulnerable. And... Yeah, so that that's still something I'm working through. So there are little pieces of shrapnel that still are embedded in me, and the Lord is working through them and, and healing them. So I think, did that answer the question? Did I answer the question? I'm just so quiet because I didn't want to interrupt your flow there. It was very, very uh, moving for me <clears throat> because I've struggled with abandonment issues Um still trying to figure out exactly where those come from. Um, and certainly a spirit of rejection I've had to overcome, um, which I think is not uncommon. And um, I say spirit of, because I know it doesn't come from God. So it has to be a spirit of something else. <clears throat> and those can be broken off. And I believe they are generational for sure. You know, a lot of this. Um, and I, respect very much how authentic you were in explaining 
all of that, as well as saying there's some shrapnel left, <laughs> you know, yeah. admitting, this is not a, you know, th just because I met Jesus when I was coming out of my um, eating disorder and calling on the name of Jesus and asking God to encounter me. When you said that, that didn't just take everything away. It's a process of healing and he allows us to go through it. Um, so I think my next question then, which just kind of came over me is you mentioned that, you know, these adults didn't really notice as, um, a mother, I recognize there are times in my life when maybe I didn't notice certain things because I was climbing out of my own and I had to catch up, you know, um, because we're all, we're all human. It's kind of like when you see your parents as humans for the first time, it's really yeah. <laughs> yeah. jarring. And I, it sounds like that's what happened to you and this kind of abandonment feeling, whether that's what you identified it as then or now at all, um, led you into a place of deep self-protection and then this kind of spirit of perfection and you had to be this and that. Um, and that God's delivering you and healing you. And that's what he does. Would, is that kind of a sum up? Yeah. 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 I think that's about perfect. <laughs> Do you have a way to explain how you channel um, what God tells you now into your writings? Hmm. Well, that's, oh, that's a beautiful question. It yeah. often lately it's been poetry because poetry is very quick. It's very to the point and I've loved it for a very long time. It's very flowing and elegant and ethereal, all the ease. <laughs> so yeah, when, when I experience something with the Lord that is highly prophetic or deeply important to my heart, I will write poetry about it. But I'm also finding in my book right now, um, No Angel is the name of my book. I'm working with some really interesting supernatural elements based off things that he showed me. So my main character, she can see into a, a different dimension. They're called miracle trails and death trails. So when a traumatic death has happened, she can see what happened in that traumatic death. And then on the flip side, when she's focusing on, on a word, on a sort of prophetic word or something in her heart that is Jesus related, it flips and she experiences miracles and she experiences uh, an ancient Jewish Jesus. And I guess because that's how I experienced um, God is, I mean, I don't flip into <laughs> ancient visions and stuff, but in a way I kind of do. Um, there's this one that I have with the Lord that it, he'll bring it up sometimes when I'm spending time with him will be on a beach in Galilee and he'll be standing next to the boat kind of just like waiting for me, you know, Hey, where have you been? And we'll jump in the boat and pull off into the water and we'll stare up at the stars and we'll talk about life. And it's, it's really visceral for me. And I, it's weird. I don't know how to explain it, but I can feel it happening in my spirit. So that's how, that's how my relationship with him channels sometimes. And and then I'll, I'll put what I heard from him into my writing and just sort of solidify it a little bit. 
And sometimes I will sit there and I will talk to him and I will cry or I will put on worship music and I will dance and I will cry. <laughs> it depends on how we're connecting and on what needs healing. Um, yeah, it, it really depends. Okay. <laughs> so after hearing this description of Katie's book, No Angel, I was so moved and I was speechless. It made me think of chapter 12 in the book of Corinthians in the Bible, where Paul discusses spiritual gifts. And I just want to read you this verse. It's chapter 12, verse 7. And I think what Katie is really experiencing is a multitude of gifts at one time, um, a prophetic gift. Um, words of knowledge, and also the interpretation of of really understanding, possibly even uh, being able to distinguish between gifts and spirits. So verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines." I truly believe what Katie is saying is that she is experiencing some of these gifts and God has anointed her with them. It comes through this beautiful, creative, mystical writing that actually speaks to people who wouldn't be able to hear it otherwise. The fruit of the spirit of what God is giving to you is absolutely invigorating. Mm-hmm. Tell me the title of your book again. Uh, it's No Angel. It's like spinoff Victoria's Secret, but it's darker. <laughs> it's about it's about how because I've wondered at that. I've wondered why why we have these beauty ideals popping up every you know generation and why they're so damaging to people. And I'm thinking to myself. You know, we're these quote-unquote highly evolved species, the Homo sapiens, and yet we still, we do things like this. We damage ourselves in the name of this beauty that can't be attained because it changes every generation. I'm thinking about it, I'm like, huh, the demonic know psychology. They've been studying humanity for a very long time. They know how people work, so why wouldn't they play with them? And why wouldn't they try to get people to make idols in their own image. You know, they did it back in the ancient times. So what's different with us now? So really our bodies have become these idols instead of, you know, it, we, we scoff at people who would make them out of wood and stone, but we do the exact same things with our faces, with our bodies. So I was like, I need to explore that. And so I have this whole like demonic crime syndicate in Los Angeles and these Nephilim, half angel, half human beings that are torn between their humanity and the darkness inside them. And they're the ones who are essentially running the operation, bringing people down with it. 
So, yeah, it really just came out of a question of what's going on. I had to try to figure out what was going on. And yeah, it's very speculative, but it's been fun for me. Okay, so I know we're at the end of the podcast and there's just a few minutes left, but you're about to hear me get really excited in this interview. It's kind of like God was like, okay, you all covered some really important things and thank you for sharing that because people needed to hear it. Now I want you to talk about the supernatural of what it is like to follow me. And Katie gets into Nephilim, which is very um, biblical, but it's not something you're going to hear at the church. It's kind of like my whole life is a walking post-it note. Like Jenny has a plan for how things are going to go and God hijacks it. He's like, no, good idea, but we're going to do it this way now. So we're actually going to have to be continued with this podcast, but there's a few more minutes left where Katie shares a little bit more about the book. And then we're going to tell you about what's coming up. It's just wild. I didn't expect it to go this way. We literally thought we'll get this done in an hour and we didn't. It was like a three hour supernatural interview. So a little bit more and then to be continued. A whole nother place, which I'm really excited about. I love when the spirit of God does this and it was just like, nope, this is where I want you to go next. Because I always have like this list of questions and it's hilarious to me that like halfway through God's like, good job. Now I'm going to take (laughs) 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 Now I'm going to do it, which was the original plan. Um, And that's kind of like the post-it note of my life. Right. So, okay. (laughs) This theme works. Um, I, I, for all of our listeners, we get into some stuff biblically that is, and that's what you're going to hear at the church. You can hear the energy in my voice just went up. Can you not? Like, I am so excited about this book. We're going to talk about what the supernatural is. You write about the supernatural like it's fiction, but God wants us to know the supernatural is real. That's the portion of our conversation. Oh, I'm so hyped up for that because I've been... I am so excited to... uh continue this interview in the Katie Pizzuto series. This is actually podcast four of the Women of Armor podcast, but series episode one of the Katie Pizzuto um, author series. And we covered a lot. You know, we covered a lot. I know it sounds cliche to say that the answer is Jesus. I get it. Like it sounds, it sounds very superficial, but I just cannot tell you enough And maybe this is my cue to share my testimony within a couple of episodes, but the love of Jesus is real and the power and the authority of walking with Jesus is real. You know, we're not, we're not women who haven't been through much. We've been through a lot and, you know, most of it, um, looks different from each other. There are some parallels, my life in particular, a lot of what I've been through is self-inflicted. And a lot of it isn't. But the reality is that God speaks to each of us and God can speak to you. If you are looking, if you are seeking, the excitement you hear in my voice is that we have covered everything in this episode from immense pain to massive deliverance to the excitement of the supernatural to the creative gifts of the Spirit of God. There is nothing, there is nothing like following Jesus. 
So next episode is going to be awesome. We're going to talk more about no angel and what God's imparted on Katie's heart and her spirit. She's fascinating. She is a supernatural archaeologist. I hope more than anything out of this episode, you got some healing. That's what we're doing here. We're sharing our stories of faith, our way out of the box, coloring outside of the lines. There aren't even lines because you know what? God doesn't have any within God. And we really love you. And we're so glad that you came to this, this episode. So thank you again. This is Women of Armor. We are walking in Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God, doing the best that we can. And we're bringing some good news. And we're 100% on your team. Until next time. Women of Armor is an independent project. And that may be clear in some of the rough editing. However, if you'd like to support this project, we would love it and be incredibly grateful. You can do so at womenofarmor.com.